Welcome to the God Shift Podcast, where we move you from disruption into a greater destiny, expectancy, and possibility. I'm your host, Shana Rattler, and I'm a minister, author, and sought-after speaker. Join myself and individuals, organization leaders, and ministry leaders who unapologetically share their story of when their life collided with God's purpose and put them on the path that was designed for them. You will learn how elevating God's position in your life empowers you to bounce back from setbacks, disappointments, and uncertainty, and unlocks the door to confidently move you into your next chapter. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a Godship podcast. I am your host, Shana Rattler, and I am very glad that you are here for another episode that is going to give you a glimpse and a new perspective and some tips and strategies that you can use when you find yourself navigating difficult seasons of life, yet you know you are committed to following God's plan in order to get on the other side of the season that you are in. So every time I open up an episode, I always ask for a favor. Yes, I'm going to ask you for something before we give you anything. And my request is, is that you take a screenshot of wherever it is that you are listening to this episode, whether that's on your phone, your tablet, your computer. And when you take that screenshot, I would love if you would share it to your social media. When you share it to your social media, do two things. Number one, if you will tag us here at A God Shift and then post your biggest takeaway or your biggest aha from this episode that you listen to. Why do I do that? Not because I want more downloads, but because I want to make sure that this information is getting into the hands of as many people as possible who can benefit from the conversations that we're sharing. So if you will do me that big, big favor, I highly, highly appreciate it. And thank you for that in advance. So I am going to read my guest's bio so that we can get straight to it. I got a feeling that this is going to be a good one. He's just kind of got this look on his face like he is ready to bring the heat. So (laughs) we're going to get started. So my guest today is the executive director of All Nations Kansas City, a missions training and sending organization that oversees church planting work in 25 countries. He is also a core team member, coach and consultant for 5Q, an organization that unlocks and releases the potential of fivefold ministry in the body of Christ and part of the MDNA training ecosystem team, which is part of Movement Leaders Collective. He also serves on the elder team for Nava Church KC and is the host of the podcast Shifting Culture. Make sure you go find that. He spent seven years in the Middle East in Asia catalyzing movements to Jesus and saw many Muslim background people get baptized, say yes to following Jesus, and start simple reproducing Jesus communities amidst their own culture. He loves to coach and train others to ignite movements to Jesus. He loves movies, traveling the world, being surrounded by nature, and spending time on the golf course. He lives in Kansas City, Missouri with his wife, Meredith, who co-leads All Nations Kansas City, and they have one son, Luke. So I'm excited to welcome to you all Joshua Johnson. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, Shana. Thanks for having me. Yes. So I love great bios, right? Like they're probably written by copywriters and they're (laughs) full of words that are like eloquent. and Lots of words. Right. (laughs) I would love if you would just take, you know, 15 or 30 seconds and just give us, you know, the layman's terms of how you play in the kingdom. Yeah. So, you know, 
a long time ago, God gave me a mission statement for my life, and it's to to coach and train others to ignite movements uh, to Jesus. And so it's really about how do I equip other people to ignite a movement somewhere in the world uh, that revolves around Jesus? So how do we bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, which we are you know, called to pray for uh, in the Lord's Prayer? Um, what does that look like? And so for me, through All Nations, which is a missions agency, or through 5Q, which is the fivefold ministry, Ephesians 4 typology, uh, or through my Shifting Culture podcast, whatever it is, I want to equip others to be able to see the kingdom of God come. That's so good. So my definition, Joshua, of a God shift is anytime a disruption in your life collides with God's purpose and it moves you into a greater destiny. I firmly believe that the Lord uses unexpected circumstances to get our attention. You know, more than likely we're pursuing the wrong place or putting priorities on the wrong things. And so he uses this as an, as an invitation to get us into the life that he really has planned for us. So can you think of a time that you face some form of disruption or unexpected circumstance that was really instrumental in getting you to where you are today? Yeah, well, I think it's a it's it was a long-term shift uh, for me. Uh, you know, when I was a freshman in high school, I felt like I was called into full-time ministry. Um, and But when I looked around me, I was like, what does that mean? What does full-time ministry look like? And all I saw was an example of a pastor of a local church. And that's all that I thought full-time ministry could be. So I went to college uh, to be a pastor, uh, realized halfway through the first semester that I'm not called to be a shepherd. I'm not good at shepherding people. That's not who I am. So I said, okay, what does this look like? I don't know what it is. And so my dad started a Christian school. So I was like, maybe I could go into education. He's doing ministry. So I went into education. I started to teach English. I coached college basketball uh, for a while. I did a whole bunch of things in my 20s where I felt like I was floundering, trying to figure out what it is to do full-time ministry uh, for God in different areas. And I ended up uh, going and teaching English, working for a church in South Korea. And it wasn't actually until I was stuck uh, in this boarding school in the middle of nowhere where they had no grocery stores, no restaurants. It was just rice fields and, uh, and farmland, a river. It was beautiful country, but there was nothing where I was at. Yeah. I, I just remember finally just getting on my knees and crying out to God. And I said, God, you know, I've been trying to figure out how to do work for you for many years, and it's not working out. So my life is now completely, completely yours. Do what you want with my life. My life is yours completely. I shifted from a place of Jesus as Savior to Jesus as Lord. He actually became Lord of my life, and every aspect of my life became his. And that's actually when I started to feel a shift towards Arab Muslims and Arab Muslim ministry. And it wasn't until that moment where God captured my heart for Arab Muslims. It was a strange place for that to happen because I was in South Korea. There are no Arab Muslims in South Korea. But that's what was happening. It's because I shifted from Jesus as Savior to Jesus as Lord um, and put me on the line of my purpose and my path that 
man, I look back, that was the moment where everything changed and everything shifted. And what did you learn as a result of that process? Or what do you think he was trying to get you to see? Well, one is the the difference between working for God and working with God. Uh, there's a big difference between me as a as somebody who wants to achieve and strive and wants other people's approval, I was trying to seek that from God, saying, I'm going to do whatever I can to get your approval. And when I shifted to a place of, okay, let's do this together, you f- show me the way and I will follow, yeah. um, there is a, a huge difference. So I learned that being with him, like we were supposed to be in the garden, like what Every evening, God would take a stroll with Adam and Eve Um, at night. Like, this is what I want to do. So I want to take a stroll with God and say, okay, how do I fit in? Where is my purpose? What am I doing? And really, the ultimate goal is to be with God. And if I could bring others along that journey, that's great. Um, But it shifted so much in my life. Yeah. What would you say to the person, because I hear this all the time, when there's people that have a very strong desire to implement or blend their faith into what it is that they're doing professionally, or they feel a calling to be more vocal um, about God, but much like yourself, they're like, but I'm not looking to pastor. Like many people aren't looking to operate within the confines of of a church or a religious organization at all yet they still want to find ways that they can actually incorporate their faith into what it is that they're doing. So what what advice would you have for someone who's listening that finds themselves in that situation? You have a gift and you have a purpose and God wants you to use it no matter where you are and what you're doing. Um, so he has given, this is what we believe at, at 5Q with Ephesians 4 um, and Ephesians 4 verse 7 says that Jesus gave gifts to everyone. Yes. And so when he says everyone in that passage, when it says all, it actually means all. It means everybody. It doesn't mean just a select few uh, that are, you know, in the pulpit. It means that everybody has a gift to to use and to play. And so we all are actually commissioned to be part of God's work in the world, no matter where you are in business, uh, in, you know, social entrepreneurship and work or as a, you know, somebody that is a a mother or a father that's at home with her children, we're all called to steward what God has given us. Um, You know, I think that a lot of us have, uh, you know, the sacred secular divide in our head that, you know, the sacred part of my life is on Sunday when I go to church. um, And then the secular part is the rest of the week. And those two things don't mixed together. But really, there is not a difference between the sacred and the secular. Everything is sacred because God has created it all, and it's part of his glory and his creation that we get to steward what he has given us. Um, you know what? I've heard somebody say that we at the fall, when Satan came to tempt uh, Adam and Eve, and when Eve and Adam ate that fruit, what happened was, you know, the serpent said, you could be like God. So we we shifted from living in one kingdom, which was God's kingdom, and stewarding the garden like God has, you know, called us to do, to a second kingdom mentality. We're trying to create our own kingdom as owners of what we have. 
But if we actually start to view it as, I want to get back to that first kingdom, the kingdom of God, and be stewards of what he has given me, all of life is his, and we are just called to cultivate that life with God, for God, and it could be anywhere and do anything and with any purpose and gift that he has already given you. Absolutely. And what I would add to that is I have a saying that everywhere you go, there you are. And so you don't, you know, I think sometimes we we have such a skewed vision of what does that show up as? Like you don't yeah. have to always be walking around with a Bible under your arm. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be that when people walk in your office that you've got believe and faith and cry. like yeah. if, if, if God is in you, it should be showing up in how you speak. It should be showing up in how you respond to situations and people will be able to pinpoint that there's something different. You know, there's a, um, one of the things that you mentioned was when you were talking about like any, in any area of life that we're in, there is a need for our influence, for Mm -hmm. our influence and to bring people into the kingdom of God. And so everyone that's listening may not be familiar with, I believe they call them the seven mountains. Well, they're really Mm -hmm. pillars more so than mountains, but I think they are religion, family, um, business, education, government, media, arts, and entertainment, I believe are the seven. And God needs us to fulfill his purpose in every single one of those. So if our gifts and our light is going to be limited to just the sphere of influence of, of religion or, or organized, you know, religion, then we're going to have a very tough time. And so I love what you said is that, you know, like everywhere you go, you should have the opportunity to use your gifts and yep. your gift may not be the primary thing that you're there for, but you have an opportunity to incorporate and execute your God-given spiritual gifts wherever it is that you go. So I don't even know why I'm on that. So <laughs> no, you could be on that because actually there's nothing more transform transformational than presence yeah. and the presence of God in your life. And you, as somebody that is inhabited by Holy Spirit, you actually have his presence with you at all times. And so wherever you are, you know, you have his presence. And that's the thing that actually can transform people and places uh, more than, you know, the little, the work that we do. So presence is so key and important. You're right. Yeah, I believe that it also is has the opportunity to be a lot more impactful than anything you can say. Because you can tell people all day long that God is good. You can tell people all day long that their lives will be better if they follow them. But what better way to demonstrate that than to show what what better example than to demonstrate it? I guess is a better way to say that. So, Joshua, we're going to pause for a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to start to talk about how these forms of disruption can actually be beneficial for someone's life and give some real tools and strategies that people can use to pull all of this together. Okay? Sounds great. All right. So this episode is brought to you by the free guide, When God Says Shift. Inside, you'll discover the four shifts required to follow God's plan to move you out of disruption and into a greater destiny, expectancy, and possibility. Head to GodSaysShift.com. That's GodSaysShift.com to access it now. All right. Welcome back. So before the break, we were talking about um, how Joshua had some experiences at a very young age. I believe you said freshman in high school, you were you were on fire for the Lord, knew that you wanted to do the work of the Lord, but you did not want to be a pastor. And so you zigzag <laughs> a little bit. You're a part of some great organizations now. Your life is all the better for it. You know, put a tight 
tight little bow around it. But that's not everybody's experience. Everybody does not have the beauty of being on the other side, right? Like we're fortunate enough to be on the other side of this God shift. Now, that does not mean that there's not another God shift or another form of disruption that is going to come at another point in our lives. But we do have the ability to look back on what it is that God has brought us through. So I would like us to talk a little bit um, about what a different perspective that people can adopt when they're going through a tough season in their life. You know, sometimes, you know, the shift is physical. Sometimes it's relational. Sometimes it's emotional. It's in your relationships. Anything that we're putting energy into that is not on the path that God has planned for us, I believe he's so committed to his results and so committed to our destiny that he's willing to do whatever he has to do to kind of shake us up, if you will, to get our attention. So my question for you is, is that how can something like this really be beneficial to a person's life? Cause it feels like it's going to destroy us, but how can it really be beneficial? Well, you know what? I, I just uh, uh, thought of this. There's a quote by uh, Lilius Trotter. She was a, a missionary in North Africa, a great artist, uh, you know, back in the late 1800s, I believe. And she said, believe in the darkness, what you have seen in the light. Um, and so one of the things that needs to happen is in that dark place in the darkness that we actually have to hold on to the promises and that God has given us in the past. Um, so what I loved to do is use community for that because we're, we need to be set in a community. A lot of times when we're in a dark place, we're in a hard place. We feel like we're alone. We don't have anybody um, but we have to be proactive and reach out because people actually do care and people want to be with you and to be near you. Um, but I think this is my belief. Maybe it's a cynical belief, but I think we're all just self-centered people that think about ourselves and our own little world and they don't realize what other people are going through very often. And so when you're in that that hard place, you don't know what's going to shift or how it's going to shift reach out to somebody and reach out to community and say, hey, can you you pray with me? Can you be with me? I just need you to to be here, to talk to me, to, to listen to me. Um, and so one of the things, one, we have to release our pain, right? So if we release our pain, a lot of things, what we're struggling with on the inside, um, we finally get to exhale, Um, that we haven't been able to exhale in the past. So we have to release it, and we should release it to somebody. And when we release it to somebody in community and be vulnerable in the middle of it, then we can start to process that pain and that struggle. Um, And then the, the best thing to do on the other side of that is to surrender your pain. So if we could surrender it to Jesus and say, it is yours, Right. He Jesus is the one that says, my my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come to me. All you are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Um, He's the one that we need to surrender it to. But I don't think we could actually get to that surrender part until we release it and say it out loud. We process it in community and then we could surrender it to Jesus and he could start to walk us through what is that next path and shift that we need to take so that we could actually get our life on track where it was off. What I love what you talked about when you talked about being vulnerable. And, you know, I've had the the pleasure of being able to work with some very 
um, I was getting ready to say high individuals, but that doesn't come out necessarily right. I've had the pleasure, <laughs> <laughs> I've had the pleasure of working with some people in some high places, some celebrities, yeah. some politicians, whatever, executives. And what I find is that the higher up you go, the less opportunities that you feel you have to be visibly vulnerable. Yeah. And so while identifying community that can actually aid us in exiting these tough times is important for everyone, but I believe that the, the, that the high performing leaders really need to recognize that we, we know that in your, in the confines of what you do professionally or in the public eye, that you may not be as inclined to be visibly vulnerable because you feel like you have something to protect, hide, defend, right. whatever the case may be, that it's still important for you to at least find one person. Uh, you yep. can have a community of one that you can go to and be vulnerable enough to say, I don't know what's going on. Like in my book, I open my book up by saying, what the hell is going on? I think yeah. that's six words that believers ask themselves at one point <laughs> in their life, right? Doesn't matter Many how, times how, in their life, yeah. Imagine how old <laughs> you are. It don't matter how long you've been walking with God. We've all had a what the hell is going on moment. Yeah. And so everyone needs that. Even if you can't, you know, reach out and just pour your heart out to the masses, you can at least find one person or you mm -hmm. should at least find one person that you can say, I don't know what's going on. And clearly I've tried everything that I know to do to fix this. And I, I need your, I need your help in getting through this. So yeah. uh, I love that tip. And I love when you talk about surrender as well, because I can remember back in 2018 when my life began to shift and everything around me was drying up. My business was drying up. My speaking opportunities were drying up. And it was all because God was calling me to ministry. Mm. And had he have allowed everything to go on business as usual, I would have never paid attention to that. Yeah. I was the least of these. I was the least likely like me. Yeah, really? And so I started working with a life coach because I was going on a trip to Bali, Indonesia with her. And the six months leading up to the spiritual retreat, she did some one-on-one -on -one coaching with us. And she said, Shana, everything you desire is on the other side of surrender. Mm. But I had no idea what it meant. Like I knew yeah. what surrender was conceptually, but I didn't really know how do you surrender? And what she said to me was so profound. She said, it means you give up. And she mm. said, not give up as in you quit and you throw in the towel, but you give up in recognizing that you were at the end of anything you know to do. And now you're completely yeah. at God's at God's mercy of what it is that, that yep. he wants to do. Do you think that that's a good definition of what you're saying when you're describing surrender? Yeah, I think I think you give up, you know, and you're at the end is, is really good. But I think you also give up. Uh, control. Yes. Um, we we like to think that we actually have control. You gotta um, give the, the driver's seat on this. You don't have to ride shotgun. Right. <laughs> Surrender means that you are riding shotgun. It it you know it's like okay, I see that car coming up and the brake lights are on, but you're going 55 miles an hour. You better slow down. And so you're just sitting there, hoping and waiting that they're going to slow down and not get in an accident. But yeah. that's a surrender place. You have no control over it. And I think that we often think that we own everything, right? And so we're owners and we're controllers of our lives. But when we say, actually, God owns this. Yes. Uh, he has provided this for me. And I say, okay, God, what do you want? 
in my life. That's a great place of surrender. That's a beautiful place of surrender. Yeah, because I also believe that we own what we had in mind. And one yeah. of the toughest things to release is what we had in mind, either what we had planned, how we planned it, or who we planned it to include. Mm-hmm. So I know for myself, those are some things that I really had to be willing to let go of in, in different seasons of my life. Is yep. Yeah, this doesn't look like what I planned. It definitely didn't go how I planned it to go. And the p- people or person that I thought would be here with me at this point is is not there. And so I had to really be able to surrender my own plans and thoughts to, you know, it says in Isaiah, Isaiah, you know, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my ways are higher than your ways. So even though I thought my plan was great, like it was a pretty darn good plan. Clearly it wasn't what he had for me. So I (laughs) I love the notion of surrender. So as we begin to wrap up, what do you believe are Well, I want to ask you two things. I want to ask you, one, what do you believe are some of the common barriers that prevent somebody from really being able to use disruption as a tool to create a better life? And then if you'll just end with what is your best tip that you would give somebody if they're navigating a difficult season? What's your best tip of what they can do? All right. Well, I think some of the common barriers are one is that we think that we have to do it on our own. Um, and so that's a big barrier because we actually don't have to do it on our own. You know, I think that, I mean, I think that something like AA is actually a, a really good uh, representation of what church should be, is that we actually can be vulnerable in a place and we could let go of our inhibitions and, and all the, the pain that we have and release and process it and then start to surrender it. With yeah. accountability, with somebody that's actually uh, discipling us in our process of getting sober and better, uh, it actually should look the church should look more like that. I think. So I think that doing it on your own is a huge barrier. Yeah. Another uh, big barrier is um, thinking that you have to have um, all the answers before you start. Yes. Um, you just actually have to take a step. And I think that's for, for anything, right? You know, for entrepreneurs that are trying to start a business, for, you know, somebody that wants to get into ministry, somebody who wants to start anything, a lot of people say, I need to have all of my ducks in a row and I have to know everything before I get started. <laughs> and you'll never start and you'll never do it. You'll so, never know either. You're never going to know all of the steps. I call it creating in a vacuum. You can sit down and you can strategize and you can come up with everything that you think that you need to do and will do. But you're only doing that based on the limited knowledge that you have now. It's not until you get in the doing that you realize what the actual factors are. And I think that it's important for us to remember. I said this, I've done a lot of interviews and have been a lot of been interviewed a lot this week. And so I don't remember exactly (laughs) the, um, the session that it was on. But I reminded the audience that the how is really none of our business. When Mm -hmm. we're trying to do things, especially if we're following God's plan, he's not going to give us all of the how. And the how is not our job. Like our job is to say yes to what it is that he's asking us to do. Our job is to be obedient. Our job is to recognize that he orders our steps. But then he blesses the steps we take. And so yeah. when we just sit in the garage, the GPS is never going to be able to work. And it's the same thing with God. Like you just have to, someone asked me, well, what do you do when you're uncertain? You take steps even though you're uncertain. Yeah. 
And it sounds easier said than done, but I don't even know what's on the second floor until I get there. So if I just Mm -hmm. stay on the first floor, being (laughs) concerned about the fact that I don't know what to do with what's on the second floor, I don't even know what's up there until I get there. Yep. But it's crazy. I mean, it sounds comical and ridiculous as I'm saying it out of my mouth, but there are so many people that are probably listening to this right now going, yep, I do that. Yeah, that's me. (laughs) Anyway, I digress. Go ahead. (laughs) No, that's, I mean, that's, that's great. You know, and I think, you know, one advice, the advice that I would give is probably what we have, we've talked about um, is one, be vulnerable in community and surrender within the presence of God. Um, and if you could do those things, I think that's where you're actually going to see it, an incredible shift in your life. I think it, without those things, it's going to be a, a Shana shift or a Joshua shift. It's not going to be a God shift. Um, and so you have to do those things if you want to see an actual God shift in your life. Because guess what? I've done the Shana shifts. <laughs> yeah. I did the Shana shift even after my God shift. Yeah. So, you know, my first God shift, well, not my first, but my most significant God shift that got me to ministry and got me to a God shift movement was when everything around me dried up because he was trying to call me to ministry. Well, my second God shift didn't have to happen. But what I did was, is I took the new vision that he gave me and I filtered it through the old perspective of the Mm. coaching world that I've been in for so long. Mm. And he was very clear. He said, your ministry is going to consist of preaching and teaching in stadiums, a television show and using your prophetic gifts with celebrities and politicians. He didn't say nothing about coaching programs. And that's exactly (laughs) what I went off and created. So yes, the Shana shifts, I'm trying to do the best I can to be done with those. I don't want any more delay that I've caused. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So Joshua, this has been great. So tell our listeners, how can they find you and follow you? Yeah, well, you could uh, listen to the Shifting Culture Podcast, shiftingculturepodcast.com for more information. Um, if you're interested in going long-term as a missionary or doing missions where you're at, you go to allnations.us. We have a lot of different trainings um, and programs uh, to be able to do that. Um, and then if you're interested in this uh, five-fold ministry and what does that look like to live that out as church, you go to 5qcentral.com. And there's a lot of training programs um, to be able to do that, free webinars, all those things. Perfect. And I will make sure that all of those things are in the show notes so that you're not having to rewind and pause. I'll make sure that all that information is in the um, the show notes for you. And so if somebody is listening to this and they're like, oh my gosh, this guy is great. He's just dropping some gems. Um, is there anything in particular that you would like to offer them or should they just figure out which of those three um, avenues are the most relevant to them right now and then go down that hole. Well, if you want to, I I don't know when this is coming out, but uh, the uh, middle of March in two weeks. Okay. So in the middle of March is my next uh, leadership accelerator for 5Q, uh, 12-week program. So if you want to jump in on that, that you can find that information at 5QCentral.com. But I'm leading that for 12 weeks starting in the middle of March um, will be my next program. So you can hang out with me for, for 12 weeks to hear hear me talk, but hopefully it won't just be me. We'll be doing a lot of processing and learning and growing together. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here, Joshua. I appreciate you sharing your wisdom and experience with the listeners here at A God Shift. And um, maybe we can turn the tables one day and do this on your side. Yeah, that'd be great. 
Thanks, Shana. So much. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of a Godship podcast. I pray that it has blessed you. I hope that you will go back and listen to previous episodes and listen to the future episodes. And if you will think of just three people that you think need to hear these episodes and share the information with them, I would greatly appreciate it. So you all have a great day. Talk to you back here soon. Bye-bye. I want to thank you for listening to the God Shift podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. And remember to put God first and everything will fall into place.